Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Snacking on those salty peanuts. <laughs> and Neil Potter. More of a mixed nuts kind of guy. Don't forget the almonds. Mm, no, no, no. No, 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 my friend. What? <laughs> All right, let's debate this real quick. <laughs> What's your problem with almonds? They're too hard. Everyone... They're too hard. They hurt your teeth. Oh, my God. Grow up. Get harder teeth, all right? <laughs> Get harder teeth. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that. I guess. Thank you. Speaking of harder teeth, we are on part 19 on our series on Julian Moore. <laughs> Uh, the penultimate episode, guys. We are coming down to the wire, and Ooh. what a better movie to talk about than the 2014 David Cronenberg movie Maps to the Stars. Uh, it was written by Bruce Wagner, directed by David Cronenberg. It stars um, an all-star cast uh, consisting of Julianne Moore, uh, Mia Wachistowska, and Robert Pattinson. Um, uh, as always, we'll start off with some film trivia on the movie, then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on Maps to the Stars, then we'll end with some final thoughts on Julianne Moore, and, of course, uh, we'll leave you with some recommendations. So, Tyler, you want to kick this off with some film trivia? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, so every episode I put together some trivia about our movie, and I insert one that's completely made up, and you guys have to figure it out. So, number one, Julianne Moore does not have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Number two, the award that Agatha uses to bludgeon Havana is a genie award, an award formally presented for achievement in film in Canada before its discontinuation in 2012. Director David Cronenberg is a five-time Genie Award winner. Number three. 32 real-life stars, celebrities, and historical figures are mentioned in the film, including Emma Watson, Jim Carrey, Ryan Seacrest, Halle Berry, and Oprah Winfrey. Number four. With a career in filmmaking that started back in the 60s, David Cronenberg had not filmed a single production in the United States until this film required shooting some scenes in Hollywood. All right, which one do you think is the fake, Neil? <laughs> oh! Huh. Uh, I... I'm gonna say that last one about filming in the United States. I don't find that true. All right, Ben. <laughs> um, man, I was going to say the same thing, but um, yeah, I'm going to say the same thing about him filming Whoa! in the United States. But <laughs> double, double down. down, yeah. Wow, so you guys both think that Julianne Moore <laughs> doesn't have a star on the Walk of Fame? Ye of little uh, faith, because she does. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, that was so short that I was just like, I was like, yeah, sure. That's probably right. <laughs> yeah, Julianne Moore and John Cusack has a star on the Walk of Fame as well. Well, that's, I don't believe that. 
<laughs> That's less believable than her not having one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the Genie Award, that was kind of interesting that uh, I, I guess it just doesn't exist anymore, but David Cronenberg has five of them. Wow. So and was that one of uh, David Cronenberg's awards? That I could not find out, but I would not be surprised. Mm. I bet it was. It I, probably I bet was. He just brought it in. <laughs> He's like, I got five of these things. <laughs> I carry them all the time. <laughs> and yeah, there were a lot of cele- celebrity name drops in this movie, and uh, all the ones I mentioned were included among the 32. So, mm. yep. Yeah, so, oh, so wow. So this was his first movie he filmed in the United States, but uh, this isn't his first movie that takes place in the United States, is it? No, th- yeah, correct. So there, are, I believe he has other films that are that are supposed to take place in the United States, but they were filmed in okay. Toronto. So gotcha. All right, which that is makes pretty sense. common. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Yeah, there, there were some interviews where uh, he was like trying to explain that. Uh, he doesn't hate the U.S. or anything because people were implying that because uh, that his first f- film ma- that had uh, production in the U.S. was one that was kind of a teardown of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so it, people interpreted that as like a condemnation of the Hollywood in the U.S. But he basically just said that the only reason that came to be was because the the screenwriter, uh, and I'm, I don't have his name in front of me right now, but he, he was so obsessed with Hollywood that he insisted they film there. So. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. That's inner. That's a funny like connection because this is very like, this whole movie is like very pointing at like star fuckers, right? Yeah. Like the people <laughs> who are just like obsessed with, like celebrity um and um uh yeah so let's let's get into let's just dive into this movie and i'll just uh let's just go over our just initial thoughts on this movie um uh neil i when you um uh when you watch this movie you sent uh you sent us a text this um pointed out that one of the genres uh, there's two genres that IMDb classifies this movie under one is drama and the other is comedy and you took slight offense to that um, to comedy's built first comedy. by the way yeah I okay. I assume I assume that's alphabetical right or <laughs> how do we pronounce that word <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. That could be true. Um, so, uh, so th- this is going to be one of those episodes where I feel like my opinion is going to change over the course of of this discussion because I'm not I'm not exactly sure um, what I think about this movie. Uh, uh, we'll we'll correct you of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, uh, I laughed a lot during this movie. I thought it was quite funny. Oh, um, Benjamin. Benjamin, there was some. I think there was some. 
maybe halfway through the movie, it turned into the more uncomfortable laughter, where it was just like, I was just kind of more laughing at the situation and not like the movie. But um, I still did. I thought that there was some pretty, there were some pretty humorous moments uh, in a movie that is like kind of about like the worst people like the worst collection of people possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think it was I there were I will admit there were a couple of times where I I laughed, genuinely laughed about what was happening or going on, but overall it's like I feel sad and p- these are pathetic people like I don't think whatever they're doing or whatever they're saying is funny at all <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that's just me my initial take on it too is when it was opening up and it said it was directed by David Cronenberg I was like wait a minute what <laughs> like because I because at first I thought this was gonna be just like when I saw comedy comma drama in the IMDB <laughs> description. I was like, that's not something I'd expect David Cronenberg to direct. And then I was like, at the end, I was like, this is exactly what I'd expect David <laughs> Cronenberg to direct. I don't know. Because uh, I I know him from like The Fly and Existence, where it's like just messed up, weird, gross things. And then I get like this where I just like I don't I don't know how to feel about a lot of this. <laughs> that, that was my general take at the end of it was I kind of feel just a little dirty <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, Tyler what did you think? Guys I don't I don't like to hate on movies but I just man I couldn't I couldn't get into this movie and I I don't want other people to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it makes me mad. <laughs> like I, I'm like I think that I have a pr- I'm pretty in sync with like okay I could see how someone else would like this even though I don't. I just I don't I don't know what this movie is. I don't know who it's for. I don't know what it's trying to say. I didn't find it very funny or dramatic. Like there are. Uh, it's just like a grab bag of weird characters and a like bizarre connective tissue between them just set in shitty Hollywood. Like with, I, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to glean from this and I felt sad for having watched it. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. Sounds like Ben's got some explaining to do is what oh. we're trying to say. So I think that the worst sin of this movie is that, like, usually even when a movie is all those things that I've just said, I can appreciate the performances in it. But I think this is some of the weakest performances we've seen, even from Julianne Moore. Like, I did not like her character oh. in this. I did not mm. like the way she played the character. I just, I was, it made me really sad because I've liked almost literally every other film we've watched. At least I've liked her part in it. And I just found her difficult to watch in this. And that goes for literally all the other actors too. So Mm -hmm. that made it really hard for me to find something to like here. Um, Yeah. So uh, I actually liked Julian more in this movie. I thought she was maybe the one 
like good actor in this movie. Um, except that kid, <laughs> that kid who drowns, and his only line is he says his name like <laughs> in, in the afterlife. Um, uh, yeah, it, this is like this is such a weird collection of um, actors who like I j- they're just like they they're just not giving anything to these roles um and it's either it feels th- either that everything is just phoned in and this is just the best that they got um or m- much like um much like you said Tyler and probably I think all of us feel this way that like this movie is just like lost in what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like, except like, like the only thing I got from it was that like the screenwriter and David Cronenberg, like they just hate Hollywood and they hate like celebrity <laughs> obsessed people. Mm-hmm. And they're like really projecting like onto these people that like, yeah, I they have like really developed like mental illnesses, like f- from just being a part of Hollywood. Like there's, uh, there's two characters that just see, uh, like ghosts. Uh-huh. <laughs> like so, Julian Moore sees her mother, who died in her like twenties. So. Uh, and sh- so like that character keeps popping up and then Evan Bird um, who plays this like child actor he sees two people uh, one is a just an innocuous person that he meets in a hospital who is like about to die and then this girl dies and then like basically haunts him for the rest of the movie but then he also sees just this random kid who, like, who dies halfway through the movie. And then, like, he also shows up and, like, haunts him. And it's just, like, what is, like, what are you trying to say? Like, what is the reason for this? In a movie that is pretty, like, straightforward, like, why have this random, uh, like, uh, this like random moment of like fantasy mm-hmm. um for like only two characters yeah two. <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know you guys have seen that episode of south park where they they uh make fun of how episodes of family guy are written yeah where yeah. the manatees, the manatees. Like, selecting balls yeah. or something and that's that's how it felt to me in this movie it was like they to write the script they just had a like bingo game of balls where it was like Hollywood ghosts drugs <laughs> incest and yeah. then like they just wrote a story based on all the words they found it, like mm-hmm. I I don't get how any of them connect to each other and then the that weird juxtaposition between comedy and drama which I do think I mean obviously parts of it are intentionally funny 
but I don't think any of the actors are on the same page as far as what movie they're going for. Like, yeah. the, I found the most powerful performance to be the um, the mother of the child uh, actor and the sister that was burned. I thought she yes. did an awesome dramatic performance that I kind of wish that they just dropped the comedy shtick and w- made that movie because that was she was really good. And mm-hmm. that kept being like surrounded by these like wacky moments with Julianne Moore's character who just was like this weird stereotype of a Hollywood kind of like cougar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone who's like trying to be famous, but she's, you know, past her prime, quote unquote. And so all that weirdness around what I thought was a a potentially interesting dramatic story about like Hollywood children that were conceived in incest. That's fucked up, but it's interesting, right? But it, I lost they that. They barely touch on it. I know. They like that, barely touch yeah. on that relationship. So weird. Like yeah. It's just thrown in there, and I don't know what to make of it. I, they don't give you time to process it or think about what the ramifications are. Like There's that, there's that scene where John Cusack is driving back to the house after they think, oh, God, like everyone's going to find out that we're brother and sister. Here's how we spin it. And I was like, that's interesting. I want to see how that plays out. And then it's just, nope, it's the movie's over now. <laughs> like, yeah, that's when he walks yeah. into his wife, like lighting herself on fire. Right. Yeah. And and they turn the, like that was a fucking terrifying moment, and then they turn it into like a freaking slapstick comedy where he's like trying to put her out, and he's like, oh god, oh god, Jesus, oh god, like. Oh, was that supposed to be comedy? I think so. I think it was, but it was not funny. I just and it, thought that was just John Cusack just being a bad actor. <laughs> it could be. I don't know, man. This was uh, this was a. This kind of leads to one of the big problems that I had with the movie that especially at the end when they're trying to do like the stuff that at least I expect from David Cronenberg, like kind of these shocking moments of like complete terror, um, like that scene of the shock of this woman lighting herself on fire and then uh, Julian, um, Julian Moore like getting killed by... Getting bashed in the face from that. Um, what was that award you said? It was the Genie Award. Genie Award. <laughs> um, th- and I thought that was an incredible death scene. But yeah. there's uh, these all these ghost scenes um, that like pop up throughout the movie. And there's like probably ten or twelve like moments. Um, these like supernatural moments. When, like, all this crazy stuff starts to happen, I didn't believe it. Like, I was like, okay, like, when is Julianne Moore going to come around the corner and it's revealed that, like, she didn't actually die, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, that whole murder scene was, like, just a fabrication of, like, someone's mind, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the whole, like drama of all those scenes it it was like a delayed reaction to me cuz i was the the entire time the scene was happening i was like i was like oh shit this isn't real and then 
like five minutes later, like the reveal never happened. And I was like, oh shit, that was real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same kind of sense in several parts of the film. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't understand why they needed to throw in this like supernatural element at all that like didn't really do anything for the entire movie. And all the characters just progressively got more and more annoying until they were dead anyway. So it's like, <laughs> what is even the point? <laughs> I know. It's... But, but can we all agree that Carrie Fisher looked great? She's did a great job. Yeah. She had <laughs> a great like, cameo. cameo. As herself. <laughs> playing herself. As herself, yeah. Okay, so here's a question, and sorry to just drop this on you guys, but I and I like I spent like an hour like trying to research this but Carrie Fisher has a line because uh, like Julianne Moore's character is up for a role where she's going to play her mother and Carrie Fisher has a line where she's like every daughter should get a chance to play their mother in a movie um, did Carrie Fisher do that uh, oh, I don't know I don't think so. Not to my knowledge, anyway. Because, um, like, Debbie Reynolds was in, like, way different stuff than Carrie Fisher would ever be in. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know where I heard this, but I thought I heard once that Carrie Fisher once played Debbie Reynolds in a movie. And I thought that that was, like, this movie was alluding to that, but... Obviously, I'm wrong because I have like no proof of it. <laughs> so, um, it was just a weird c- Carrie Fisher. Her scene was just weird because it was like walking out of a coffee shop, and then she has this just nice little exchange, and then she's just out of the movie, and it's like it was great. Like she was, <laughs> she was great in it in the yeah. like few lines she had, but it was just like. It was just another movie that was like, or another scene that I was like, okay, that's it. I feel like the intent of it was to ground everything that's happening a little bit more to be like, hey, here's a real celebrity. All these other people Mm. exist alongside the real deal. Like this is, it's trying to to give some weight to the things that are happening. But all it did for me was make it feel like a shitty comedy film where the next cameo pops out and you're like, Oh, look who it is. And it's just, I didn't, there was nothing in that scene that contributed to like the character development of Julianne Moore's character. Like it really, it was just like, Oh, I'll help you. I'll see if I can put in a good word for you on this role or whatever. Mm. It, like we, we know the same people. Isn't that crazy? I'm Carrie Fisher. Bye. <laughs> like that. It, I don't know. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, it, those it, are, and it's like what those scary movie, um, that scary movie <laughs> franchise does the exact same thing, where yeah, it has yeah. cameos of people playing <laughs> themselves. Uh huh. It'd be it, you'd like it, it. You'd expect like in that scene where he's with she's with talking with Carrie Fisher. Julian Moore's character looks and says, "Yeah, but I'd never work with Julian Moore. She's a bitch." And then look at the camera and wink or something like that. That would have been funny. <laughs> that would have earned the, the comedy moniker that it has uh, on IMDb. And that would also but. be like a reason to hire Carrie Fisher because that's like something that she's. <laughs> Good yeah. at. Yep. 
<laughs> um, not enough winking to the camera in this movie. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about Robert Pattinson for a brief second. Um, sure. <laughs> or not, if you don't want to. <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's do it. So I thought Robert Pattinson was kind of a like wet blanket in this movie. Um, and his character is pretty like deflated as well. So it's kind of nothing like nothing against Robert Pattinson. Um, I don't know how much you guys are tuned into the uh, Pattinson's that has been happening over the last few years. But uh, I think this was the movie that he decided to become a good actor or after this movie was the <laughs> moment he decided to become a good actor. Right. Yeah. Cause I think he, I think <laughs> I imagine after this movie came out, he was just like, man, I was in a David Cronenberg film and it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, after after this movie, he has, um, he has, like, The Lost City of Z, um, High Life, The Lighthouse. Like, he has a bunch of movies that, like, he's really amazing in. Um, and that are, like, pretty good movies. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but then, like, right before this, this is, like, not long after his, like, whole Twilight saga. And, um, yeah, that was just something I was thinking about because I was well, just like, yeah, I know Robert Pattinson is a good actor, but this is just like, this is just like pretty half-assed. I mean, <laughs> I feel like taking on this role is an attempt to distance himself from stuff like Twilight. So I'm sure he thought it was like a good career move if he wanted to get into more stuff like this. It just turned mm-hmm. out that this one sucked mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean you're totally right about the way his character is played in this movie they give him absolutely nothing to do here like i i think this to me is an example of like a character that you imagine afterwards they had to have just cut a bunch of his stuff because yep. i don't i can't think of any other reason for him to be here other than that when they were filming, they thought he would be a bigger role, but he was in too many crucial scenes to cut out completely. And so what we're left <laughs> with is just this skeleton of a character who hmm. does practically nothing. I just... there. So he, he picks up the uh, daughter character, the... And, Okay, we're going to have to talk about that because I don't even understand really what happened. But he picks up the daughter in his car from the airport and the estranged daughter or whatever. And then, like, they somehow just kind of become involved romantically, but, like, almost none of it is shown. Mm -hmm. And then he cheats on her with the woman she works for, which is Julianne Moore in a car just because she like seduces him and I find that whole thing so strange I don't like what do you what do you guys think was the point of that other than to just show like how shitty of a person Julianne Moore's character was was that like all it was 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It like it's impl- like there's a lot of scenes that are implied between with that romance between Robert Pattinson and Mia Wachowska, and she because like they meet uh, like he drives her like from the airport then like they just happen to run into each other again and then like they get into a fight because like Robert Pattinson is like yo I don't want to get be locked down and then like the next scene they meet up again and then they're like going steady mm-hmm. um, yeah and then, like, Julian Moore's character, like, she has this friendship with her assistant, and then, like, she betrays her just to, like, sleep with her new boyfriend, like, kind of for no reason. Like, there's no... Like, they, the movie never really gives a reason, like, why she would sleep with this guy, Right, because, like, her original reasoning for hiring her is out of, like, a sense of empathy because she was burned as a child and she, her mother died in a fire. And, like, she was kind of playing it up, like, oh, how, like, how great am I for hiring this, you know, disfigured woman Mm -hmm. to be my assistant? And then, like... And then when she, I don't know why she seems like jealous of her, I guess, because because the dude she's dating is attractive. Is that like, again, yeah, there's no so. real rhyme or reason to it. It's just like, it's just a thing that happens and then it moves on and you're like, okay, well, I guess that happened. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's, that's another that's thing. Like her, like her character's like whole mental state is never really talked about because uh, we haven't mentioned that her introduction, Julian Moore's introduction to this movie, is her getting domed by John Cusack yeah. who is also like doing... A chi- weird like, therapist? Yeah, like half <laughs> chiropractic work, like half yoga work on her and it's very disturbing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that whole situation is like... like I was just like, okay, what I'm supposed to take from this messed up thing is that rich people are weird and (laughs) they just need to spend their money to like fulfill their weird fetishes. Yeah. um, That was a lot of the movie was just like, the movie felt like it was just confirming all the things I already suspected. And like, I had no point of reference for like, being able to relate to any of these characters because they're all just like shitty Hollywood types and so Mm -hmm. it was just a constant barrage of characters doing shitty things and you're just like yeah I mean I've heard about that like I hear about shitty things in Hollywood all the time like you just read any like any Hollywood rag and it's just like half of them are fake but the other half it's like oh wow that actually did happen okay well, I guess we need to I guess we need to see a fictionalized version of the shitty things that happen in Hollywood for no goddamn reason and, it, and the movie makes no effort like to humanize any of them as well Mm-mm. because like Julianne Moore's arc is that she is 
an actor who has who she is a seasoned actor who is deemed like too old for roles right mm-hmm. like that's relatable like it everyone can relate to that 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 you like have been around too long and the young hot thing has shown up and is like taking all your yeah. your spotlight right but like that's not the movie that's not what this movie is about no like it mm. kind of is a little bit but it really forgets about that whole plot line <laughs> like really fast yeah yeah most definitely uh yeah, it is so much about once you said what rich people just need to spend their money on is so true. Uh, I'd like to touch on that the the like the child the the boy kid yeah. character because <laughs> he was so frustratingly annoying. Like he is like I. I'm this big child actor. The the my favorite thing about him is like the fake movie he was promoting, like <laughs> yeah. this babysitter movie. <laughs> like that was the some of the funniest stuff to me when like that the new child actor was coming up behind him mm-hmm. and he would just say like vagina weird. <laughs> and like that was like his big pet peeve against him and stuff. Yeah, but, like it was this this kid who was in one scene. Uh, you only saw one line of his uh, and he he couldn't say vagina correctly like that was the joke and a uh, pretty funny joke because that word is repeated <laughs> multiple times uh, but this guy is like you just want to like the, his first scene is mo- it's like infuriating and it's not like he gets any better but it's like this piece of shit is like the worst kid ever <laughs> and like I it like none of these characters are likable a- at all so like you kind of have to pick the ones that are like the least less likable <laughs> to like which is hard to do yeah <laughs> so that that's that was my I guess that was my one of my overall problems with the movie but man that boy kid was such a frustrating <laughs> shit I don't I, I think know. we all yeah. have one of those boy kids we just hate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually, I could not stand this kid either. And I actually thought about you, Neil, uh, like a lot during this movie. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to hear the rationalization for that statement. You are just a piece of shit. <laughs> no, no. No, it's because you're, you're like... Um, you're like crusade against like child actors uh, My, yeah. during this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Um, it's I, been pretty. It's been pretty rough. <laughs> yes. I don't know if this uh, if this actor is um, considered too old to be uh, to be considered a child actor, but um, he was like pretty bad in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't recognize him. He's been in a bunch of TV shows. It looks like he was uh, he was in The Killing for it looks like most of its run, but um, yeah, but I yeah, he out. was uh, his character was just shitty, and um, he was just shitty. Yeah, it was tough to. I mean, I liked because a I f- few scenes with him though. Like I again. I really liked his mother as uh, one of the mm-hmm. only characters I thought had brought some real dramatic weight here. 
And a couple of those were the scenes with him, like where she's supporting him as he's going through withdrawals and puking in the urinal in the bathroom, like mm-hmm. right after they had an important, uh, I assume, like a negotiation for his this next film he's doing. And then also uh, the scene after he ends up accidentally killing his younger co-star when she's like supporting him she's like going to him in the hospital and he's explaining like basically explaining exactly what happened from his perspective but it sounds like utter nonsense and she's just so Mm -hmm. confused and sad and like trying to comfort him and like I thought those two scenes were both really powerful but they're undercut by his character in every other scene that he's in because he's such a freaking I mean you could make an argument that it's successful because you're supposed to hate him and I think you're supposed to hate all these characters but there is no there is no one in this movie that is like disliked dislikable and relatable at the same time because I feel like movies can sometimes (laughs) pull that off like you said with Julianne Moore's character you can relate to that idea of like the younger uh, startup like coming in and stealing your shit and that's kind of what happened with him too right the younger kid stealing his laugh lines but they're so shitty everywhere else that you're just left not feeling sorry for them in the slightest no you know what I would have said to the kid Um, if he was freaking out about someone uh, taking over his lines I would have been like kid there's no small roles, only small actors. So just <laughs> let the kid say vagina wrong and just let him get the laugh. Yeah. Um, you're, you're too wise, Ben. You're too wise. I'm too wise. I once heard Vin Diesel say that. That's where I got from. Um, I do have to say one good thing about um, Evan Bird in this movie. He gets the all-time greatest line and I think it's the funniest joke in this movie and it's when they're in that conference room talking to like all those agents and producers and whatnot and they're talking about his like how he had that like how he's sober and he had that like um, he had that like alcohol problem and someone says like uh, oh, everyone goes through that phase. Everyone has a problem. Like, uh, m- even Mother Teresa goes through that problem. And <laughs> Evan Bird replies, Mother Teresa is already fucked up. She's dead. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and also, there's that... Uh, there's a lot... Of, like, his... like. Um, like teenage friends that he hangs out with, Th- like those two scenes or two or three scenes are like absolutely some of the worst acting that I've seen in like a movie this big. Yeah, right? practically unwatchable. Yeah, the and some of the worst dialogue ever. Yeah, like the scene and and some of them are just so they're such like non sequitur of scenes too like the scene mm-hmm. where they're in his friend's house and he's playing yes. around with a fucking gun and he ends up accidentally shooting the guy's dog and killing it I'm just like 
what the fuck is even happening right now? Like, why did we? What is the point of this scene? Yeah, and it just and it never goes back to those other characters. That that's how we leave them with yeah. him like hugging a dead dog, saying "Get out of my house," and I don't I don't know why we had to watch that. I mean, I know it was so it was weird. tense because you knew something bad was going to happen with that gun. Yes, because when someone yeah. unloads a gun. Yeah, and then starts pulling the trigger. You know, a, a eventually it is going to go off. Yeah, and so <laughs> and like, then when he points the gun at this was the the scene that I was like I was laughing at, but mm-hmm. it was like the the like uncomfortable laughter, <laughs> right? Where yeah. it's like uh-huh. you know, like I knew that gun was going to go off because that's what guns do. And when that dog he points the gun at every human character in that scene. And it doesn't go off. He points at himself, doesn't go off. Then the dog walks in. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, they're going to yep. kill that dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the most frustrating thing about a scene like that is because based on the rest of the movie that you've already seen, you already know that it's going to have zero consequences. Like, yeah, that, mm. that you yeah. you know what's going to happen, and you're like, they're never going to come back to this. It's not going to matter. Like, you know, okay, yep, here comes the dog. There, he's going to get shot. Oh, yep, he did. I, yep, now we're done, and that's it. Like, that's the scene, and you want there to be some kind of through line. It's almost like, it's almost like every scene is completely self-contained, where the action and consequence exist within that five to ten minute sequence like Mm. he shoots the dog the consequence is that his friend tells him to get out then it's never referenced again that's it that's the whole point of that scene and there are so many scenes like that where it's just like we saw the thing that happened and then this character either like now likes this character because of what they did or doesn't like this character because of what they did and then we just don't ever reference it again Mm. that's it and it'd be different, Maybe. like, it'd be different if it was like, oh, you're, we're watching the downward spiral of this kid. Like, all they, all they needed was to have, cause like, when he's in that hospital after he killed his, like, co star, they're just like, he killed someone, his life is ruined. And it's like, uh, also, there's a lawyer that's coming to you to sue you because he also killed a dog, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know those are two different things, but, like, you're, like, someone is suing you. Like, but they never, yeah, you're right. They never mention it. They never talk about it at all. Yeah, and, like, they never, they never really talk about the fallout from his drug abuse. He's pukes in a toilet one time, and that's it. He like and go down the list for all of these characters. They mention or shortly showcase a thing that they did or did in the past. And then that's like, okay, well, I guess we just add that to the pile of things that we're supposed to know about this character now. But they don't it doesn't result in anything. It doesn't the the end of this movie. It's practically the beginning because there's not a whole lot uh, the, we could have watched a movie that happened take that takes place right before this one happened, and, and it would have been exactly the same. Like just shitty people doing shitty things, and then they end up in a shitty place. Mm. That's that's all it is. I, and I don't, I don't know. I I I feel bad almost being so negative about a movie, but 
it just I think it's because I think it's because this could have been better. There are so many in like interesting ideas, especially the idea that like a famous Hollywood couple were like secret brother and sister. That's f- a fucked up premise for either a drama or a comedy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, god. There's so much. I feel like there's so much more to talk about. Uh we haven't even discussed the like daughter character um who I think is like the most like the most like empathetic character in this movie and mm-hmm. who probably has the best performance, but then like the ending her ending is just so like they never explain like why she like started the fire that gave her the burns right and then then it's just like suddenly that she's her like end game is to like marry her brother and then for them to like OD on like pills and it's just like it that comes out of nowhere and it's just like wait like what is this I don't understand it it's all fucked up and the fact that like uh, that her they say it once that like oh I have to propose to my brother so I don't see ghosts anymore like what yeah what are you saying oh, <laughs> why I missed that I missed that line oh man so yeah like apparently she as a kid they would always play wedding or whatever mm. and then she ended up saying that was the only thing that made me not see the ghosts anymore or whatever right. it's like I don't get why you're seeing ghosts in the first place what like, is the but, metaphysical logic here i don't where are these ghosts right. coming from why does that make them go away i didn't even know you saw ghosts until now because there's only the only <laughs> other characters yeah. that have shown that are not you you know like, yeah because yeah. she never right. sees them in the movie right not that i remember no <laughs> yep Great. So uh, I'd like to go on a tangent for a second here. Um, Do you guys ever see the David Fincher movie, The Game? No. Um, No. It's who is in it? Uh, So spoiler spoilers for uh, the movie, The Game. Uh, It stars um, Michael Douglas in a pretty good role I guess <laughs> um, it's not a good movie it's actually uh, I would say that it's probably uh, Fincher's worst movie and uh, so uh, the game is about um, this rich guy uh, Michael Douglas plays this like probably a billionaire and for his birthday his estranged brother gives him this like basically sets him up with this company and they they like put him through they basically like torture him and it's supposed to be like this like role playing like adventure and it's supposed to like bring like like excitement back into his like mundane life and yada yada and he's basically like hunted down um like throughout this throughout this movie and like they're they like are stealing his credit cards and like um like divesting all of his investments and they're like trying to 
um, they're trying to like frame him for like adultery and like all this stuff. And it ends with him uh, going into this like corporate headquarters where these like this company is supposed to be that is like fucking with his life. And he pulls out a gun that he got earlier in the movie and it's when the gun shows up like the person reveals that it's all fake and like nothing actually happened and like it's all fine and then an elevator comes up and as the elevator door opens he fires into the elevator and when the elevator opens it's his brother behind the elevator and he's holding a bunch of party balloons and it's revealed that like his brother actually set all this up as a birthday present and he had this like huge birthday party set up and it all just like um i probably i probably can't like i'm probably not like describing it well because like i just like you can't describe like the super dumb like Shyamalan t- turn <laughs> yeah. that this movie takes but so the end of the movie well and then the other twist is that the brother was wearing a bulletproof vest because he like knew that Michael Douglas was going to shoot him or something so the brother is fine and they ha- are in downstairs in this building having this huge party like all of their family and friends are there they're having a fun time and um, the brother is signing a bill for this entire party and the entire game. And the person who takes the bill, uh, he says thank you to the brother. And, and this is also this is a character who has not been introduced. The actor is never in the movie besides this one line. He says thank you to the brother when he takes the bill. And then he turns to the camera and then says thank you as thank you to you as well and then he walks out and to me when i saw that i was really hating myself for watching this movie it was really terrible this twist was so bad <laughs> but when this just random character turns like right when the twist is done he turns to the just to me to the audience and says thank you I'm just like oh okay movie you know you're a piece of shit and you're thanking me for getting to this point yeah they might as well be saying sorry <laughs> yeah yeah um, god but yeah anyways that's the game you don't need to see it but there's a hilarious meta joke in the movie uh, so I'm gonna take another tangent too um, please do this movie I'm going to make a case that this movie is just a shittier, dumber version of Hereditary. Oh, shit. So Hereditary is the Ari Aster horror film of a couple years ago where the the premise is the idea that you the the fear of passing on like a uh, a mental illness or, uh, you know, any defect to your children and then like dealing with that mental illness yourself at the same time uh, and not knowing whether or not you've given it to your offspring and it 
I mean, without giving too much away, it definitely veers into like crazy supernatural and like, you know, potentially real ghosts and shit. And I feel like that's, I feel like those themes are very much what this movie, what Map to the Stars was trying to do, where it's, it was kind of setting up uh, John Cusack and what's his wife's character, uh, wife's actress's name? Um. Olivia Williams, I Olivia believe. Williams, the one I, I liked a lot. Uh, setting them up as kind of like that in that same way of like the shitty things that we do or have done, uh, like passing them on to our children and then like regretting our actions and things like that. And then there's this weird supernatural ghost shit in here too. <laughs> and like, but it just doesn't, it doesn't pull any of it together in the same way that a movie like Hereditary does. And it like, that's what I really wanted from all this was like a feeling that all of these things were connected by more than just exposition telling us how these people were all related to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. none of their none of their stories really complemented each other or served an overall theme. There were individual little bits and pieces and scenes where you're just like, okay, I guess I guess I can like try to dig some you know analogy out of this but in the next scene they do something totally different that makes you think well I don't know if my interpretation of that last scene was correct now and they just do that over and over and over and over again to the point where you lose all interest in anything that's happening mm-hmm. so yeah I guess I guess my point is that Hereditary is a better version of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird because I don't think... I think you're right that the movie is, like, kind of setting that up, but it it almost seems like it's uninterested in, like, actually exploring that whole thing. Exactly, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. yeah. I wonder if there's just, like, a bunch of scenes that are cut or, like, what the story is. Well, I mean, I did read that David Cronenberg cut a bunch of the script he said that this the script writer the scene the screenwriter who also is a author he writes books and i don't know if he wrote a book version of this before the movie i don't know but he said that i don't think so okay well he said that the screenwriter could have written five thousand pages and he had to cut down stuff and cut out characters but i i it sounded like he did all that before they even started filming or had a you know it just so I, I'm confused, I guess, as to where what the original meaning of all of it would have been if the screenwriter had their way and kept in a bunch of stuff. But it's not like it was a short movie. It was a whole, it was pretty long. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, wow. almost two hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's weird. So uh, David Cronenberg, this is the last movie he's done um uh let's see he he did a short film uh the same year um uh yeah and so he hasn't done a movie since then uh since maps to the stars huh um he's done i mean a dangerous method eastern promises uh the history of violence yeah, that's a good movie. Um, yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he has a 
huge like filmography and like he's a very well-known director who's made a lot of very well-liked movies and yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird one to see like to watch this knowing knowing the like knowing like what's behind the camera like who's who's behind the camera i I Um, almost wonder if this isn't one of those examples of like a subject matter that's so close to the creator that like it really only is appreciated and uh and liked by people who are in that same context and industry like maybe hollywood types think this is awesome and it they it's like a self-reflection kind of thing but for everyone else it feels like nonsense yeah yeah it could be um all right let's wrap it up let's get to uh final thoughts for this movie um every movie will give julian moore a rating of one to five julians uh, so Neil, you want to start us off with your final thoughts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's not super positive uh, coming out of this one, as you've probably gathered throughout of this. Uh, it was just uh, I didn't get a, the point of a lot of it. Nobody was likable. I didn't really care for it. It wasn't funny like a comedy supposed to be, really. Except for Ben, who's laughing his ass off, apparently, it's this whole movie. Uh, um, and, it, I don't know, I maybe it's just above my head or something, but I doubt it. I just, I don't think, it, I don't know. It just wasn't my taste in it. Um we did see a good Julian Moore ugly cry for a bit, so I mean, we get we squeezed one of those in there. Uh, no, yeah, I, Tyler, I think you nailed it when you said that that mom character is like the best one that brought any like realistic emotion and like gravitas to it, and then being set set aflame by the fakest fire I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life at the end. Um, it's just, it, there wasn't really that good a performance. Julian Moore wasn't bad, but like, it also wasn't it wasn't spectacular. Uh, I, man, I'd give it like I feel like one is too I don't know. I'd give it one and a half. I'll give it one and a half Julians. Like just the half for being something that may have come out of it that I kind of liked, but not (laughs) enough. (laughs) I don't know. None of it clicked. So yeah, one and a half for me. Um, Uh, Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Well, um, I feel like I've said pretty much all there is to say about this. I guess the best thing I can say is that I'm glad I had it on Netflix and I didn't have to pay for it. Oh, that was so nice when it was on Netflix. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I think I'm just, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with one, uh, no, half, half a Julian, (laughs) half a Julian. um, And I don't even know why I'm giving it that, but. I feel like mostly because we've definitely watched worse movies. Um, So, yeah, that's it. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, I, I agree with all of you. I, I'm, I think I'm going to end end with a two out of five Julians because I think there's moments where she's pretty good, uh, even though I think the entire movie as a whole is pretty atrocious. Um, I think there's moments, uh, like you said, Neil, that ugly cry is I, I I'm going to say this might be controversial, but I'm going to say top five ugly cries of Julian Moore. Whoa. Whoa. It's a great like it's a great like laugh laughter that turns into a cry. Um, uh, That's true. She yeah. I mean, hey, you got it. She's like the queen of the ugly cry. <laughs> it's got, it does got that going for it. Okay. Um, I can, I but, can be on that. Uh, we also didn't say this, but uh, massive points deducted from her for that scene where she, um, she sings na na, Hey, Hey, kiss him goodbye by the band stream. And it is, it is easily her worst set of acting that I've ever seen. <laughs> It's pretty um, bad. But so, her sitting on the toilet for Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, okay, I'm bumping it back up to one Julian. Yes. <laughs> well, what a crazy comedic scene. Props to her for like adding in some fart like doing fart humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For That's her good. career. Going all in. My God. <laughs> She, she wins an Oscar and then she immediately does fart humor. <laughs> Didn't she get a Golden Globe or something for this or whatever it is? Oof. Uh, let's <laughs> let's find out. Research uh, department. Uh, she was nominated. Yes, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for best performance. Uh, best performance by an actress in a motion picture, comedy, or musical. Uh, Man, I I love you, Julian Moore, but uh, it must have been a weak year that year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Probably. You know what? It's probably... um, (laughs) It's probably... uh, Oh, wait. Did I say nominated? Yes. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, This came out the same year as Still Alice. I didn't okay. know that. So she won. Oh Jesus Christ! She won a Golden Globe for Still Alice, best performance in a drama, and then. Uh, uh, oh, she's actually in pretty good company. So best performance by an actress, mu- a comedy or musical. Uh, Emily Blunt for Into the Woods, uh, which. I think a lot of people actually hate that movie, um, but whatever. Uh, Helen Mirren for A Hundred Foot Journey, which I'm unfamiliar with. Q Wallace, Quellene Wallace for Annie. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. And then, the Jamie Foxx version? Uh, yep. Yep. I think Jay-Z did the music. Is that right? <laughs> Uh, and then the winner is Amy Adams for Big Eyes, that uh, uh, that Tim Burton movie. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Man, that was a movie that everyone loved. And then I think a month after it came out, everyone was just like, "Actually, that was really bad." <laughs> Don't you love it when that happens? When like even critical reception of a movie does a total one eighty. Yep, that's great. 
yeah, so anyways, to recap my final thoughts, um, one star or one Julian for that fart scene, one Julian <laughs> for the ugly cry, and one Julian for her just bringing some good acting, but then minus one Julian for the, the <laughs> na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye song. Oh God, I didn't know so, we had to break it down by star. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm getting, I'm getting real now. Okay. <laughs> I'm showing my notes. <laughs> I'm going in front of Congress and I'm saying, look at the report. <laughs> Topical. Uh, so, um, so that's for anyone who doesn't want to do math. That is two Julians. Mm. All right. Okay, let's good. get to some recommendations, guys. For every episode, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations. I think for this one, we need it. So, Neil, <laughs> why don't you yeah. hit us up with a recommendation? Yeah, my recommendation is another YouTube one. Uh, I spend too much time there, apparently, I think. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> it is actually a channel called The Corridor Crew. And they've been going for a few years now. And what it is, it's like a uh, an animation or not like an animation, but like a CG effects, like studio kind of thing. I don't know if they've worked on big projects, but like their YouTube channel is like them breaking down how like that face app that makes you look older where Russia steals all your data from your phone or mm. whatever it's going on with that. Like they broke down how that technology works. Oh. Like, um, they broke, like they break that stuff down. They actually do, uh, numerous other things but a lot of them are CG effects artists so they'll go over like bad good and bad CG and like movies and stuff and they've started like uh, like they have like a CG artist like react to like good and bad CG so they touched on like shitty Sonic I'm sure they're gonna do something on this that Cats trailer that came oh, out Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they also do like stuff with like stuntmen. So they they have like um, a same type of thing where they get together with a stuntman and go for good and bad stunt work and cool things like that. Um, and then one of their well, the latest video, one of their latest videos of the time of this recording, they went over and like tried to redo the CG effects to the Scorpion King movie with the Rock. Yes, and how oh. terrible that movie was. So they tried to they went in in. Obviously, they didn't have the raw data to make it better, but they did it on top of the footage that was already there. And it looks they made it look significantly better with what they could do just with like facial mapping technology and like other like lighting and effects like that. Like they do really cool stuff like that. So uh, I would check them out on YouTube. It's the Corridor Crew. Uh, they're really fun. And like um, you might recognize even some of the people in there if you're like into like that kind of. Uh, genre so uh, it's cool stuff corridor crew on YouTube cool Tyler what do you got yeah I, about a minute into you talking about that I realized I actually watched that channel and I just didn't know what it was called uh, <laughs> but yeah they are pretty good I like that that Scorpion King episode that's good mm -hmm. uh, yeah my recommendation is going to be a, another Ari Aster film his next horror movie entry called Midsummer, and it is a in in some ways it is similar in in style and tone but it's also visually very distinct from hereditary uh which i had talked about a little bit earlier 
so the premise is that a young woman is um, she goes through a traumatic event in her life while she's dating someone who is not sure if he's 100% committed to the relationship but she wants to keep it going and they in order to try and like strengthen their relationship and get through this tough time they go with some friends of his to a like I think it's in Sweden I don't actually remember now but it's like some Norwegian like summer festival and it's like an ancient festival that's like you know got all the trappings of a white Anglo-Saxon historic you know celebration of summer and so uh, it's a lot of imagery that you're probably vaguely familiar with but you've never seen put in like a horror context and it is very disturbing um I I will say if you if you liked Hereditary, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to like this movie, but it is not nearly, at least in my estimation, is not nearly as scary. It is not this is not so much a horror movie like a a scary horror movie as it is just a psychologically traumatizing film. Um lots of very violent imagery that it lingers on which is would be it'll be familiar to you if you've seen hereditary um but it didn't have quite that same like i hereditary when i saw it in theaters i was absolutely terrified like stuck to my seat just heart pounding scary this is not anywhere near that so if you have problems generally with horror i'd say you can probably do this one if you if you know really violent imagery doesn't bother you as much um but it's the performances are incredible in this i know we've talked about julianne moore being the queen of ugly crying but uh i believe the actress's name is is it florence Pugh? is that right uh yeah i think so okay the main the main lead in this florence Pugh, her ugly cry at the beginning of this movie it is physically painful to watch like it to because your her performance had to have been physically painful that the way that people like when they cry so much they start coughing that's what she's doing and it is very affecting like it sets the scene for the rest of the movie and the trauma that she's living through so yeah it is it's a very good movie. I don't know if I liked it as much as Hereditary, but if you're a fan of that, you kind of owe it to yourself to go check this one out. So go go see Midsummer. Um, I can't I can't handle any horror at all. So I don't I don't know if I'll ever ever be able to see either of those movies. <laughs> yeah, I I used to. Th- I used to think I was that way too and I kind of slowly inoculated myself by watching horror movies that are like actually good horror movies with good stories and good acting and awesome mm. themes. So, yeah. It, the it's funny cuz like this I was talking with a friend who I went to the movie with afterwards for like a half hour just standing out in the lobby about the movie and movies like this remind me a lot of like uh alien like the very first alien movie it's like Hmm. it's this movie that's about something on its surface level like 
you know, aliens killing people one by one. But at a deeper level, it's about something completely different. And like alien is about basically the, the, you know, inbuilt fear of like being violated or raped. And so like this movie has very much that same thing. And so does hereditary. Like it's uh, what you're watching is about one thing, but it's the, the, meaning you take away from it is just something else completely and it's really impressive when a director can like make you talk about something so thematically dense when it's ostensibly just like meant to make you scared um Mm. so i i just really appreciate those kind of movies lately and i i really dig it cool uh i would like to i would like to recommend uh, two music videos um, or they're kind of more like visual novels um, I think is what people are kind of calling these but the first one is uh, Anima from uh, it's from Tom York of Radiohead fame and it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and it. Uh, is a music video that uses um, three of Tom York's songs from his album um, of the same name, Anima. And it's kind of this, like, this kind of very, like, incredible, like, visually stunning, um, like, very well choreographed uh, just music video. Um, And, like, it's very uh it's one of those like music videos that is like the the sets and the choreography are so simple but like the way the camera moves and then like the perspective that it gives you it like opens up this like very like trippy um this very like trippy visuals so there's this extended scene where Tom York is like walking towards uh, this like line of dancers and these dancers are all in a straight line and they're doing like you know their dance moves and then like the Tom York just like starts falling towards them and then the camera shifts a little bit and it's revealed that they're all like they're all on this like very steep incline that has like been hidden because they're just like the way they're standing and then like the way the camera is like parallel to the ground it looks like they're just on a flat surface and it just like the dancing is like really cool in this this like music video and like the music is great of course and um it's very like it's very tom york it has a lot of like radiohead vibes and tom york is just like dancing around just kind of like being a goofball and like being this weird presence that like he has been for like his entire life um it's very fascinating uh the second one is the one in uh, oh so anima also it's on netflix um you can listen to the album i think like anywhere that you can stream music um it's on spotify 
but this like short this like this short is only on Netflix. Um, the second one, which is on YouTube that you can watch for free, is I Am Easy to Find You, and it's from The National. Uh, the music is from The National, and it's directed by Mike Mills, and it's this black and white... Um, it's a black and white short. Uh, it's like 20 minutes long, I think, and it stars Alicia v- uh, Vikander, um, from uh, uh, what is it um, Ex Machina and um, Tomb Raider fame <laughs> uh, and it's a black and white and it's like it's like a, a series of vignettes over like the course of this person's life like from infancy all the way to adulthood but Alicia Vikander plays like the same character through all of it so like at the beginning it's like her like acting like an infant and there's like some very weird moments of her like acting like a six-year-old but she's like as tall as all like her parents and all the adults in there so this is very like and i i it's not meant to be played for laughs or like some weird thing um, but it's a very touching um, it's a very touching short and I'm not the biggest fan of the national but like they're they have very like beautiful songs that are like shown in this in this short and it's like and it very complements like the story um, this story that's being told uh, by Mike Mills and it's uh, it's very beautiful. So that's uh, I Am Easy to Find. Uh, it's very easy to find. If it's on YouTube, you watch it for free. Uh, so just look it up. And then if you have a Netflix account um, and you are any type of fan of Radiohead or if you just like watching some cool choreography and some trippy visuals, check out Anima. Um. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of Credits Due. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, we for our, uh, our next episode in two weeks. It's going to be our last episode on Julian Moore. Uh, very excited for this one. Uh. I think it will be a very good conversation. And it was actually, this was a movie that was originally recommended by Neil. It's Kingsman, The Golden Circle. So, uh, Neil, I think you liked this movie, right? Um, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought there were things I liked in it, but... We'll see. We will see. We will see. Looking forward to talking about that movie uh, in two weeks. Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Um, So hope you'll join us for that. And until then, um, Tyler, where can people uh, get in touch with you? Uh, You can try to reach me on Twitter. I usually reply at Tyler Owen. That's pretty much it. Oh, well. Oh, okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter at 
Dino Neal. And you can find me on Twitter at Cronmaster, that's C-R-O-G-H-A-N, and then the word master. You can follow the show at Credits Do Pod. Um, again, thank you for joining us. And until our next episode, where we'll talk about Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Um, remember, as always, would you fuck me if I asked you to for research? <laughs>